This is an audio-only version of the video series broadcast on YouTube. If you want to experience Me, Myself, and Die as it was originally intended, search for Me, Myself, and Die on YouTube, Facebook, or Rumble. Or go to www.memyselfanddie.com. All of the show's playlists, social media links, and other material can be found there. And now, Me, Myself, and Die. He's facing off against his foe, plus four... Oh my god, no, 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 that is almost the worst thing you could roll. That's a fail. Well, hello and welcome back once again to Me, Myself, and Die. I am, as always, your intrepid GM host and player, Trevor DeVal. Thanks so much for joining, and if you want to help the show, please do hit like and subscribe, and if you want to help support the show on Patreon, there's a link for that below, as well as uh, the RP the drive-through RPG links uh, through which you can procure the game supplements that I have used in the series. When last we left on Kalabunki, he had freed the people of Bleak Hall, the mining village, from the depredations of Tahir, the warlord, the bandit leader who was a half-giant and in a rather amazing display of competence, Arn gutted to hear, um, and uh, rescued uh, Thorhildr's son, brought him back uh, with the rest of the caravan's silver. A total success, a very unusual thing. But now it is time for Arn to leave Bleak Hall behind because he stands at the base of the mountain slopes that leads up, up, up to the ancient tower he can see now in the mountains. The storms of winter are rolling in, and he has very little time to spare. He said his final farewell to the folk of Bleak Hall, and he sets out. He trudges his way through the blowing snow and the howling winds. After half a day's travel, he realizes that he is going to have to make himself a camp and recover because he's not yet fully recuperated from, from his uh, battle with Tahir and the bandits. On the side of the mountain, looking for uh, perhaps a small cave or an overhang of rock or something he can, uh, some place he can protect himself from the winds and the blowing snow. Uh, he's gonna roll plus supply, so he is fully supplied. He's at plus five at the moment. This is plus supply, which is plus five, and he's going to roll a nut. Oh, okay, well, uh, that is a failure on the make camp. And I have a, an idea as to what the price is. Arn has tried to find a decent place to camp, but the side of the mountain is inhospitable at best. There are no safe havens on the mountainside, only long channels in the rock that serve to funnel the wind and the snow, the very worst of the storm, directly towards him. The mountain itself seems to be striving to prevent his ascent, and as much as he tries to find a decent place to build a, a campfire and to take some rest and to recuperate, he is unable to do so. The day is not yet out, but it is beginning to grow dark. So this puts us at around four o'clock, maybe four o'clock, five o'clock in the afternoon. Up this far north uh, in the wintertime, the daylight dies early. As he is making his way up the side of the slope, having tried to make and, and abandoned a small campfire. And as he climbs up the slopes, the icy snow-covered slopes, he just turns for a second and, and looks past him and looks from where he came from. And he can see in the blowing snow that there is a figure there approaching. He stops, he looks, 
he, he puts his hand in front of his face, desperately trying to make out any details in this oncoming blizzard. As the figure gets closer, begins to climb up the slope, he realizes that the figure is walking with a, a strange, almost shuffling gait. The figure's having a, a difficult time navigating some of the more steep areas, but onwards the figure comes. He thinks of calling out, but then thinks better of it. A, because he doesn't know who this is, could be a danger to him, and B, calling out might actually cause some sort of avalanche. Certainly he has had experience with avalanches in the past, <laughs> in the recent past even. So he does not call out, but he waits. But just to be sure, he pulls his bow and prepares an arrow and just kind of tries to take a vantage point in the, in the, the, the crook of this large cliff face here. And as he sees the figure approach, sees that it's a man. Long, scraggly hair, long, scraggly gray beard. Looks to be an older man. And as the man approaches Arn Canal through the snow, he can see the details of the face. He realizes, he recognizes this man. But this man should not be here. This man should not be anywhere. Thorbjorn? How is this possible? Thorbjorn. The old man who led him and Ormir to the island of the Husk all those many, many months ago. Thorbjorn, who Arn watched die under the waves of the underground waterway. Thorbjorn, who now looks at Arn with hideous, almost icy blue-green eyes, who walks with a strange, hesitant, shuffling gait and Thorbjorn's corpse, animated by some fell power, raises its finger and points at Arn. Its mouth opens and a hideous, monstrous, otherworldly croaking cry issues forth from it, echoing across the cliff faces. And from behind Thorbjorn steps another figure, still obscured in snow. This figure begins to move quite quickly now up the slopes towards Arn, and as he sees past the animated corpse of Thorbjorn, he sees someone or something that he has never actually laid eyes on. But it is someone who has been hunting Arn all of these months. It is what was once a man with long flowing hair, clean shaven face, skin as hard as steel, and this thing, this husk of a man looks up, sees Arn. Give me back my spear. Well, Hogvendil has finally come for Arn. That which has pursued Arn all this way has finally found its way past the avalanche, being guided by Thorbjorn, who knew Arn's face. And even in death, still remembers Arn's face. The husk, its withered flesh and black eyes, clawed fingernails extending. The husk issues forth a horrifying wail. The dreadful wail chills Arn to his bones. He must endure stress. Hogmandil is a formidable foe, which means that right away, Arn must endure three spirit. Boom, which puts him down to two. Right away, and he must endure stress. Plus art is plus four, which is 10, a strong hit, and double threes, thank you very much. So, on a strong hit, 
He's gonna suffer one momentum in exchange for uh, plus one spirit, so his spirit's gonna go back up to three. His momentum would go down to two, except he's got battle guard, so he takes plus momentum on a strong hit, so his momentum stays at three, and he is able to withstand the horrifying supernatural whale coming out of the husk designed to, to terrify him and reduce him to a, a, a quivering mass of uh, fear, but art is made of sterner stuff. Oh yeah, and the doubles. What do the doubles mean? How, what, what opportunity, oh, oh, you know what? Ah, I have an idea, I have an idea. Um, I'm gonna ask uh, the fake chart, uh, what if my idea is right? Um, and if it is, uh, then we will play it out. Ask the Oracle, is my idea right? I gotta get a 50-50 chance, 51 or higher is gonna be 71, which means, yes, in fact, Arn looks to his left and he can see that there is a series of large ice-covered boulders and rocks all held tenuously in place by the ice. And he thinks if he can dislodge this, he might be able to cause a cascade of rocks going straight down towards where the body of Thorbjorn and the husk now are ascending towards him. He looks at the rocks and he's got his bow in his hand. He knows he can't dis dislodge the rocks with the bow, but do you know what he has? He still has the hammer of Faraza, the elven weaponsmith. He never did get rid of that. He still has that after all this time. He pulls it from his pack as these things are climbing and clambering their way up the side and he begins to hammer at the side as fast as he can, but he's also trying to hit exactly the right spot in the ice to cure an advantage, secure an advantage with uh, plus edge, which is going to be plus three. Does he do it? It's going to be seven. Well, that is a weak hit. Your advantage is short-lived. Take plus one momentum as momentum goes up to four. And I think what this does is it causes a cascade of rocks as the, the, the cliffside dislodges, or at least a large part of it, and comes tumbling down Thorbjorn's body, old, decrepit body animated by fell magics, gets taken by a large boulder and gets knocked off the side of the, the cliff face and goes howling down into the maelstrom below, completely gone. As for the husk, the husk is also taken by the avalanche and disappears from view. The rumble of the avalanche goes on for long moments. Arn picks himself up, once again pulls the bow, and he's desperately trying to, to look through the cascading rocks and the, and, and the uh, blustering snow, looking for any sign of his enemy, the husk. But does he see it? This was a short-lived advantage, which means that the snow eventually settles. The only sound now, the sound of Arn's ragged breathing as he's desperately trying to track where, where, where is his enemy, where? He moves to the edge of the plateau, looking to see. And there, bursting from the snow, almost entirely unfazed, is Hogvendil, his black eyes burning with a dread power. The sense of evil is, is, is palpitating. He bursts from the snow and leaps up towards Arn. Arn stumbles back, his bow still in his hand, and now we are entering the fray. Now, that advantage counts as one box against Hogvendil filled in, so his track is at one. He's a formidable foe. He's facing off against his foe, plus four. Oh my god, no, no, no. That is almost the worst thing you could roll. That's a fail. Combat begins with you at a disadvantage. Pay the price. Your foe has initiative. He stumbles back and trips in the rocks and the snow, falling back, his bow going flying out of his hand and landing somewhere up here along the shelf, maybe maybe just balancing precariously on the ledge. 
His momentum goes down to two. He loses his momentum as the husk has initiative. It leaps up, brandishing its wicked longsword and comes. It points towards Arn on his back now and says once again, and it goes up to slice down, to stab down rather, at Arn, who is desperately trying to scramble out of the way. He has to face danger in order to evade this blow. Plus three. Six is a weak hit. <laughs> I think he catches a piece of it. I think he leaps out of the way, but the blade of Hogvedil slices down into his leg, his maimed leg. Ooh. And he takes one harm from that because it is a troublesome cost. Bang! Oh! But he is able to evade the danger and get to his feet. Unfortunately, Hogvendel still has the initiative. He presses the attack and comes lunging in towards Arn. Arn, who's desperately fumbling to pull the spear of this lady to pull Ulvatan from its from his back, basically, where he keeps it kind of strapped. The husk comes at him. <laughs> and it slashes at him once again. This is going to be, he still doesn't have his, oh, he, what does he have in his hand? He's nothing, he's got nothing in his hand. So he, uh, oh boy, well, he can't really clash because he's not really attacking back with anything. He's got to do another face danger, but this time he is going to try and dive out of the way of this attack, try to put some space between him and his opponent to give him just a moment's breathing room to grab his spear. Is he able to do that? This is plus edge. Uh, nine, which is uh, that zero is still a weak hit, so he's able to do it, but it's a troublesome cost. He is able to roll out of the way and grab the spear off his back, but it's going to cost him momentum, which goes down to one, and he still does not have the initiative. Hogvendil once again presses the attack, forcing Arn up against this cliff face. The snow blowing, the wind howling. Hogvendil goes to drive the blade towards Arn, and now this is a clash, because he does not have initiative. This is plus iron. This is going to be an eight. Again with the turn. Weak hit. Inflict your harm, but pay the price. The foe still has the initiative. The good news is, is that he is able to inflict two more harm onto harm onto Hogvendil, so that puts him up to three. Bang! But then pay the price. What is the price he's going to suffer? 40. Is the current situation worsens? The current situation worsens? How could the situation be any worse? Let's find out. How? Action and theme. 96. Communicate. 71. Momentum. Communicate. Momentum. Yeah, he is pushed up against the edge of this cliff. He is so busy trying not to be pushed off the edge of the cliff now. In fact, the only thing that's preventing him from being pushed off the edge of the cliff is that Hogvendel wants that spear. And if he pushes Arn off the edge of the cliff, that's going to be very bad. So it worsens. His momentum goes down to minus one. Minus one momentum. This is very, very bad. And Hogvendel is trying to essentially maneuver Arn. So basically, Arn has to do a face danger now. This is plus iron. This is going to be a seven, which is a strong hit. Finally, face danger. Take plus one momentum. His momentum goes up to zero. <laughs> and he gets a strong hit, which means he seizes the initiative. And at that moment, as Hogvendil is trying to maneuver him around, I think Arn does leap around, forcing Hogvendil to the edge of that precipice. And at that point, as Hogvendil is still looking at him, Hogvendil kind of glances behind, behind him and sees the now sudden uh, precarious situation that Hogvendil is in. And Arn 
still with the spear of this lady in his hand the whispering of this lady still going mad anytime there's a combat he is going to strike with his kin blade to inflict savage harm so he's gonna roll plus three because this is plus one and he roll an eight with a strong hit savage harm ulvatan pierces the breastplate of the husk his eyes go wide not with pain because he can't really feel pain but the imminent sense of his own demise. Perhaps he has underestimated this fierce northerner after all. And as the blade goes in, he pushes the husk towards the edge. He must endure stress, but before he does, we're gonna try something. We are going to try and end the fight. He's got sevens. That is a weak hit. <laughs> Which means Arn drives Ulvatan into the husk. He clutches the spear as he's dangling pre precipitously over the edge of this cliff right there. Arn looks at him and says, This is not your spear. It is mine! Puts a boot on his chest and he shoves the husk's body off of the spear, causing him to go careening down, down, down into oblivion. Arn pulls the blade back. He has defeated the husk, but there is a consequence to pay for his weak hit. What that consequence is may reveal itself later. We shall see. But for now, the husk has been defeated. Arn must endure stress, for the mad whispering of this lady is strong in his ears strong in his mind and then he rolls plus heart he's gonna get a nine which is a strong hit and he is battle scarred he'll exchange momentum for spirit which means his momentum stays at zero and his spirit goes up to plus two so he is able to pull himself back from the break grabbing his bow he grabs his bow as well that almost went over the edge he pants he pants standing against the ledge <sighs> he has defeated the husk who has been chasing him this whole time. And he didn't even know it. He looks at the spear. Well, great-grandfather, once again, you helped me to survive. How many more times will I be able to survive drawing upon your power? And he turns, trying to gather his resolve, and proceeds up the slopes of the mountain even further and as he goes now still looking for a place to camp the hours go by and the late afternoon turns into night the wind is still howling the snow is still blowing and he is going to try another attempt to make camp for he is further wounded now the piercing of the husk's longsword in his maimed leg has left a nasty gash and he's going to have to try and heal that up in fact that is something he can do right now He's rolling at plus two to heal his wound as he finds a safish spot to try this. Does he do it with a nine as a strong hit? Excellent. He kicks two health that puts him back to plus four, his maximum. He has healed himself at his time to, to, uh, to, to uh, once again to try and make camp. Plus supply, his supply is still at five, which is really good. So that's an eight. Oh, weak hit. Well, he's gonna take, oh boy, I think he's gonna take spirit. He's gonna go up to plus three. So he he finds a place to camp. He kindles a small fire, which provides little heat or warmth, but enough, enough, just enough to buoy his 
flagging spirits after all that has happened to him. And he sets off again on his journey. And as he makes his way up the slope, under the star-filled night sky, the moon beaming down eerily with its full silvery light, the mad whisperings of Visweedy once again begin to emanate from Ulzatan. But this time, the sound is different. This time, instead of violence and death and the usual things that Visweedy is constantly whispering into Arn's mind, it's almost as though it's a memory. As Veslidi draws closer to the tower and the source of his purpose, which is the dragon Thaugalos, the lair of the dragon, Veslidi begins to disgorge his own memories into Arn's mind, and Arn now sees through the eyes of Veslidi. Veslidi is now trudging up the mountainside. A storm is still blowing all around him, but as Arn, through Veslidi's eyes, looks in front of him, he can see that there is a set of footprints in the snow, quickly being blown away by the wind, but a set of footprints nonetheless that Arn, Veslidi, is following. And as Arn looks up through the eyes of his grandfather, he sees in front of him a figure, the back of a figure, difficult to make out the details. But it seems that Veslidi, in the memory, is being led up the mountainside by another whose tracks he follows. This other figure, no more than a few paces in front of him, clearly not an enemy, clearly a traveling companion. And Arn breaks out of the vision, his mind, his senses, his own, restored. He pulls the spear out again, looking at it. What secrets are you trying to tell me, grandfather? The night carries on. Arn travels as far as he can, but the wind is blowing and howling. He is going to try and secure himself a decent place to camp and sleep. Not specifically for the purposes of regaining his strength, but for the purposes of slowing his mind and refocusing his thoughts. This is going to be a secure and advantage role. This could be plus wits. Again, not his hugely strong point, but... Oh, well, okay, still, still a weak hit. Still just a weak hit. He can take plus one momentum, so his momentum goes up to plus one. He basically waits out the night. What's the weather doing? Is it getting worse? I think it's likely the weather's getting worse. Is it getting worse? 33 on 21, yes. So it is getting worse. Oh, and look at this. That's doubles on the Oracle chart. So that means that something happens, a random event of some sort. What is it? 33, again, 33, which is aid 11. <laughs> look at all these doubles, three in a row. Aid leader. <laughs> The question was, does the storm continue unabated? The answer is yes. Aid leader. The storm is aiding Thaugalos. The storm is making it almost impossible for Arn to make his way up. It is as though the dragon itself is controlling the forces of nature, controlling the winter itself and launching it, hurling it against Arn. That's a metaphor. The dragon is literally hurling winter against, against Arn. He must now, must, this isn't an option. He has to find a place to weather this storm. He, there, there's very few caves on the side of this mountain. He's gonna have to build some sort of lean-to out of his, his decent supply, something like that. This is actually going to be a face danger. I think it's uh, observation and insight again. This is plus wits for him. 
Here we go, face danger, which is a seven and it is a strong hit. He does face danger and he does take plus momentum. He goes up to plus two. He is able to find a decent section of the cliffside to, to prop up basically like a lean-to, a hide uh, a tarp basically, like maybe part of his tent uh, or maybe set up his tent in a safe place. He's able to weather the worst of the storm, but it does take I think at least a full day. This storm is blowing and blowing and blowing. He's lost a day, which kind of sucks. And if he has to pay the price, it's definitely going to manifest as a loss of momentum. He has to try and make camp again. He can still do this. I mean, if he fails, he pays the price. So he's going to try and make camp again. Rolling plus supply. He's using his good supply. He's using it to his advantage. And look at that. 11 on a strong hit. Make camp strong hit. You can pick two. Well, his momentum is going to go up one to plus three. He's going to relax, and his spirit is going to go up to plus four. Okay. He spends two days on the mountainside. Nothing but the sound of the howling wind blowing down the slopes and through the valleys below. He can't stay here. If he stays here, he's beginning to think the storm is not going to abate anytime soon. He must continue up. And as he does so, because the storm is so bad, because the storm is aiding the leader, he must face danger as he continues up day after day, trying to get closer to where he knows that tower is, somewhere in the swirling mists of snow. Face danger using iron. He will get a strong hit and doubles again. Plus one momentum, he goes up to plus four doubles. He succeeds. What is the doubles? What is the positive thing that happens? Oh, oh, I know what it is. He emerges out of the storm. The, the wind is still blowing. The snow is still falling. But there, ahead, now, finally, as the clouds part for just a moment, he can see there, across an ancient gorge, rising up from the rock face is a twisting, otherworldly, ruined tower of ancient architecture, of ancient strange fey make, perhaps. Very similar, as I've said before, to the other architecture that he's stumbled upon in his travels. And there it is. Finally, the lair of Thaugalos, the dragon. His destination reached at long last. The advantage of the doubles is there is a gorge that separates the tower from the main cliffside, a gorge that would be otherwise impassable. Arn would have to find his way all the way down and all the way back up again. But because of that doubles, as he gets to the edge of that cliff and looks down, there the tower splayed out before him on the other side of this gorge. He looks around, he can see no way across. But then as he looks down into the gorge, he can see there is what appears to be a very cleverly concealed bridge of the same elven architecture that the tower seems to be. It is just below, and it is almost impossible to see. You'd have to know exactly where to look, but luckily, he's rolled doubles. This must be some ancient secret escape or access way to the tower that the elves must have built, but you can only see it from a certain angle, and he just happens to be seeing it. He knows that this is the way across. He's pulled himself down. It's not a, it's not a difficult climb. In fact, there's, there's a series of, of, of uh, ancient cut stone steps winding their way back and forth in the, in the rock face. Again, also elven uh, construction, clearly. He stands at the end, one end of this graceful, arching bridge. And thus leading 
once again begins to whisper. But again, it is not the whisperings of violence or hatred or death. It is the whisperings of a memory. As he looks, he now once again can see through the eyes of Vesleti. Vesleti, who himself once stood on this very bridge, having found it himself. Or was it his companion that found the bridge? His companion, who through Vesleti's eyes are now sees, almost, almost like a spectral dream. He sees in front of him this companion moving forward with a strange, lithe grace. The figure still facing dead ahead towards the cliff face where the tower rises from, just puts its hand up and gestures invitingly for Vaslidi to follow. And then the vision is gone and Arn looks up, steals himself, and puts a single foot on the graceful, delicate-seeming stone bridge that leads to the far side. He has taken his literal first step on the last leg of his quest. For there in that tower lies not only Thaugalos the dragon, but whatever secrets old Veslidi was hiding now seems to be whispered very mind by the city itself. What are those secrets? What will they reveal? And what will happen to Arn Kalapunki? That you will have to tune in next time to find out. Thank you so much for joining me and do not forget to hit like and subscribe and if you want to help support the show on Patreon there is a link for that as well as a link to the drive through RPG um, a product guide uh, below. Thanks for joining me and uh, we will see you next time on Me, Myself.